Hello, and welcome to this edition of Wait a Week Mystery. I'm your host and author, J.C. Bodden. In this week's podcast, I'll be sharing with you a chapter from my novel, Someone to Watch Over Me. If you like what you hear and can't wait a week for the next installment, this book, as well as the other three books in the Devlin O'Quinn series, is available in both Kindle and paperback format from Amazon. You can check out my website, jcbodden.com, for more information and the link to my Amazon page. Now, I won't make you wait any longer. Here we go with episode 133, Someone to Watch Over Me, chapter 33, Distraction, part 2. Oh, hey, Samantha said. She cleared her throat and looked past Joe to me. Can I talk to you for a second? Geez, what happened here? She looked at the broken door jam and the overturned coffee table, then studied our faces. That's a long story, I said, and bent and turned the table right side up. What's up? Um, yeah, well, I've got something I want to show you. If I'm interrupting, I could come back later. I pointed to the door. Joe was just going to fix this. There was a little accident here earlier. I turned and smiled at him. I'll be back in a second, okay? Sure, Jen, Joe smiled. I'm just going to go get out to the van for my tools. Joe stepped around Samantha and headed for the stairs. Before he went down, he turned and looked at me, the grin on his face making my heart beat a little faster, if that was possible. I turned my attention back to Samantha. What's up? What's up is right. Did he have a black eye? What's going on around here? Samantha gushed. It's nothing, really. A big misunderstanding, that's all. Samantha looked dubious. Really, I repeated. Now, what's up? Samantha launched into a confession. I spilled some paint when I was making posters for the talent show, and I didn't have time to clean it up before the show, so I was going to clean it up now, but the paint's dried, and so I was looking for something to clean it with, and I opened a door that I had always thought was a janitor's closet, but it isn't a janitor's closet, and did you know that this building has an attic? She paused and took a deep breath. Whoa, slow down, girl, I laughed. What's this about the attic? Come on, just let me show you. We went to the end of the hallway and around the corner. Samantha pointed at a partly open door. There, see for yourself. I pulled the door open the rest of the way. Samantha was right. From the outside, it looked for all the world like a janitor's closet. But inside, instead of brooms and mop buckets, rose an ancient set of wooden stairs. Let's go up and see, Samantha urged. I thought you had some spilled paint to clean up, I said, half-joking. Come on, the paint can't wait. It's already dried. It's not going anywhere. As we climbed, the noises from the rest of the dorm became muffled, and the air grew still and musty. There was another door at the top of the stairs, and it appeared to be padlocked. A set of stairs to nowhere, I said, actually relieved to not have to go into the attic. No, wait, Samantha reached past me and pulled on the lock. Look, it's just dummy locked. Sure enough, the hasp swung free when Samantha tugged. Go on, let's see. I hesitated and then stepped through and stood aside for Samantha. Ooh, what's that? Samantha pointed to a pile of something on the floor at our feet. I laughed, but the hair on the back of my neck rose. Probably rat droppings. Samantha turned and looked down the long corridor to our right. Down the center of the attic was a surprising amount of room, enough for us to stand completely upright, side by side. Rafters angled off on either side, and two sets of plywood boards were balanced on the joists down the center. Wow, there's a lot of room up here, I said. Come on, there's something down there. Samantha stepped around the mess on the floor and made her way slowly through the darkness toward the other end of the attic. 
Wait, Samantha, it's probably old furniture or something stored up here. Something was making me nervous, but Samantha ignored me and continued walking down the boards. I followed. As my eyes became adjusted to the darkness, I noticed pinpricks of light coming up through the ceiling on either side of my feet. Samantha, look at this. I knelt at the edge of the plywood for a closer look. When I squinted through the first hole, I could see the hallway below. What is it? Just a hole, I guess. It's just weird, you know, because there's a bunch of them. Samantha looked around. Here's some more. She stepped out on a joist and squatted down. Shit, she whispered. What? Shit, she said again, louder this time. I stepped carefully onto the opposite joist and leaned over to look. Through the small opening I could see right into the well-lit shower on the floor below us. I stood up so quickly I smacked my head on the rafter. Samantha had to catch me to keep me from tumbling off the joist and through the ceiling. You okay? Samantha asked. Hey, maybe it's just a coincidence, you know. It doesn't really mean anything. I stepped around her and bent down at another small hole. Then I made my way down that side of the attic, stopping at each pinprick of light. Each and every one of them gave a different view of what was below. Hallway, dorm rooms, community showers. I checked quickly, listing the names as I went. Marcy, Dana, Latoya. I worked my way down the attic toward the end where my room was located. Samantha followed, cursing under her breath at each stop. I was so intent on looking through every opening that I didn't notice when Samantha stopped and pointed to the corner right above where my apartment was located. Oh my God, she breathed. I looked up and stared at Samantha and then toward the place where she was looking. There, where the front of the attic formed a U to match the front of the building, were several sheets of plywood balanced one on top of the other, making a small platform. Above the platform, tacked to the wooden rafters, were photographs and a newspaper clipping. On top of the boards lay an old mattress, a shirt folded in the center. Beside that was an open shoebox that contained a jumble of things. A hairbrush, some makeup, a silver bracelet. My throat constricted and I could hear myself wheeze as I stepped hesitantly to the side of the mattress and looked through the three pinprick holes in the ceiling beside the platform. Two holes were located close together. These looked into my bathroom and shower stall. The third was several feet away, positioned just above the television stand in my living room. From this vantage point, I could see a film of chalky white powder on the back of the TV. I straightened and we stood there, Samantha staring at me and me trying to get air in and out of my lungs. Samantha, I hissed, wondering if I was having an asthma attack. I think we need to get out of here. Samantha had already started treading backward. Yeah, let's get the hell out of here. Well, 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 what have we here? came a voice from behind us. I turned around so fast I almost smacked my head again and had to grab one of the rafters to steady myself. Wagner! I was so relieved to see him that I nearly wept. My chest eased and for the first time in several minutes I was able to get a deep breath. Thank God! Do you see this? This is where the stalker has been. He's been here all along. He's been watching us, all of us, all along. Wagner tilted his head and looked at me and then at Samantha. Let's see what we have. He stepped to the mattress, running his flashlight all around. There's a newspaper article, Jenny, from the campus paper. It's the one about your appointment as the resident advisor here. They misspelled my name, I murmured, and the image of my name scrawled across the dorm doors flashed in my head. 
The circle of light moved to the shoebox. I'll bet this is the stuff that's missing from the resident's room, he muttered, almost to himself. Hello, what's this? He picked up the shirt with one hand while he trained the flashlight on it. It was a tan button-up work shirt, the same style as the university maintenance workers, but it was stiff and covered with a dark brick-red stain. He turned it over and shone the light on the name patch. Joe. He turned to me and held it so I could see, even though I already had. I took a step back, shaking my head. My throat closed completely and I could not move a molecule of air. It's Joe's shirt, Jenny. I couldn't see my feet. There were spots all around my field of vision. I thought briefly that the batteries in Wagner's flashlight were going bad. The plywood boards beneath my feet seemed to suddenly buckle and sway, turning to water before my eyes. I backed away, my knees shaky, and glanced at Samantha, her eyes round saucers in the stark beam of Wagner's flashlight. It's the shirt he was wearing the night he rescued Amy. My voice sounded strange, hollow. I shook my head again, harder, and the floor swam under me again. I gulped air and everything stilled. No, Wagner, it's not possible. He threw that shirt in the trash can. I saw him. Jenny, Wagner said softly, let me get you out of here. He took my hand and led me toward the stairs. I stumbled along behind him, my mind trying to catch up. I forced air in and out of my lungs and started babbling, the words tripping over themselves. Samantha found the stairs and came and got me. We were just looking around up here, and then we saw these holes. See all these holes, Wagner? There's a hole looking down into every room and into the showers and everything. God, Wagner, it's sick. We were to the top of the stairs, and Wagner stood back so that we could go down ahead of him. After we passed, he closed the door and repositioned the lock, just as it had been. At the bottom of the stairs, he folded his arms across his chest. Jenny, his voice was soft, kind. You found Joe's hidey hole. No, Wagner, it can't be. I don't, I won't believe it. Wait, Joe? Samantha interrupted. You don't mean the maintenance guy, do you? Wagner nodded. That's exactly who I mean. I shook my head, determined to turn my shock into something besides fear. Anger seemed a good alternative. I lashed out at Wagner. Wagner's got something against Joe. Don't believe him. It's not Joe. It couldn't be Joe. Samantha's eyes were still huge. But Jenny, that was his shirt. Oh my God, shut the hell up. Just shut up. I turned and stomped down the hall toward my apartment. After a few steps, Wagner caught my arm and I whirled to him, my fist in the air. He let go of my elbow and raised his hand in defense. Jenny, he said. His voice was soft, his eyes pleading. Wait. I took a deep breath and tried to hold on to my anger. It was safer than the fear that was bubbling inside. Wagner, stop. I mean it. Joe would never. There's got to be some other explanation. I'm going back to my apartment and calling my dad. Jenny, wait, Samantha called. Isn't Joe supposed to be fixing your door? Yeah, so? I whirled again, the knot in my stomach growing tighter by the second. I could hardly stand the way she said Joe's name, as if he was a monster. You can't go back there. Yes, I can. Wagner touched my arm again, gently this time. Jenny, listen. She's right, Wagner began. No, no, just hear me out, he added as I saw I was going to protest. Forget about what happened before in the lobby. I get a little crazy, overprotective sometimes. I'm sorry, really, I am. But you got to forget that right now. And think, Jenny, 
think. You said yourself that it was Joe's shirt. He didn't do anything wrong. I can't believe it, I insisted. But even I could hear the uncertainty in my voice. Wagner shrugged. I wiped my hands across my eyes, willing myself not to cry in front of them, especially Wagner. I gotta call my dad. Yeah, I think you should, Wagner said, and Samantha nodded. Let's go out to my patrol car and call him from my radio. I looked from Wagner to Samantha and then back to Wagner. I wanted desperately to prove that the man I had just been in my room kissing, the man I had just fallen in love with, was not the same man who had attacked Amy Patterson, the man who had killed Amy Patterson, the man who had been stalking me. I swallowed. The fear came back, and with it, panic. It felt good to let someone else, anyone else, even Wagner, take over. I held up my hands in surrender. I need my dad. Joe's Story Down in the lobby, things had returned to normal. Joe nodded at the desk worker, then picked up the microphone stand and extension cords leaning against the wall, carried them out, and packed them in the van. Then he got his toolbox and headed back to the front doors and let himself in with his pass key. Back at Jenny's apartment, he called out, Jen? She wasn't there, and he got to work repairing the damage to the jam where Wagner had kicked in the door. It concerned him that it had been so easy to do that, and he resolved to replace it soon with a more secure lock. With a stalker on the loose, he would take no chances, even if the money had to come from his own pocket. In a little over twenty minutes, he was done. He straightened, stretched, and yawned, wondering where Jenny was. Her cell phone was on the table, and the keys on the hook by the door. He left the door slightly ajar, tossed his hat on the coffee table, and flopped down on the couch to wait. Within minutes, he was sound asleep. That concludes this week's chapter of Someone to Watch Over Me. Thank you for listening. To find out what happens next, please come back for episode 134 of Wait a Week Mystery or visit jcbodden.com to order the book. Either way, I hope your wait is a happy one.